Ian Hupton. Greetings. <clears throat> it is super important to know where you're going. So now you can call me Captain Obvious. All right, who, can <clears throat> who here can point to the north? Okay, you're pointing that away. You're pointing that away. Anybody else? You're pointing that away. Eh? No, that's up. I saw the sun come up that way. So Dale, that can't be the north. What? It depends on which road you take. All right. Anybody else thought it through? Okay, we've got two people here pointing that away. Now you're sure. Because I got a compass up here, and the compass needle points north that way. He's using a GPS telephone. What's wrong with? Oh, wait. Now it changed. It's pointing this way. How did that happen? Hey, who put this magnet up here? Good night. Somebody's sabotaged my sermon. All right. <coughs> You just never know what's going to happen. Anyhow, with my future glasses, I can see four possible destinations for those who are alive today. See if you can write down those four destinations for me. I'm seeing some quizzical looks on some quizzical faces, but that's okay. Write down as many as you can of the four. If you come up with five, we'll have a talk after church. Right? <coughs> See if you can write them down, and we'll discuss them later. So let's focus on one of these destinations for the dead in Christ. In John, <coughs> Jesus is telling us what will happen to the dead in Christ, John 5:28. It says, do not marvel at this, for the hour or the season is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. <coughs> Now, billions of people who follow Jesus don't agree with what Jesus says here. They think they agree with Jesus, but they don't agree with Jesus because the way they tell it on Christian radio is <clears throat> if you've given your heart to Jesus and when you die, you go to heaven and you live up there. And if you didn't give your heart to Jesus, when you die, you go down to hell and you suffer torture down there. So that's where everybody is, according to the modern theology, right? Except this, this is Jesus speaking, and I, I tend to lean to go with him first. Right? So he says, <clears throat> all who are in the graves will hear his voice. So we can ask, well, who's, who's all these people in the graves? John 29, 529. Come forth, <clears throat> those who have done good, so the do-gooders, they come forth to <laughs> the resurrection of life, life eternal. And <clears throat> those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Well, okay, we find from other scriptures in the Bible that the resurrection of condemnation is sometimes called the Judgment Day. I shortened it down here to read J-Day. 
or it's sometimes called Second Resurrection Day. And I want to give it a new name today, but let's see what you would write down. If you wanted to give <coughs> a happy day, oh happy day, if you wanted to give a happy day name to the Judgment Day, right, <coughs> which is not a happy name, it's in the Bible, but it has a point, right? So what, what would you rename this name, this, this day that the eighth day is pointing to, what would you rename it so that you can tell your neighbors? You say, oh, it's going to be so wonderful. I'm going to see you on the eighth day or in God's plan, or I'm going to see you in the special name you give it to brighten it up, make it a happy day, right? Or you could say <coughs> second resurrection. As soon as you say the resurrection, people just fog out. It's like, what are you talking about? You know, it's in the Bible. They just don't pay attention to it. So Jesus reveals judgment day is the second resurrection day. And it's the second of these two resurrections. If you read that verse real quickly, you end up thinking that it all happens at once, but you have to find other scriptures to put it together. Matthew 11:22, he says, But I say to you, it'll be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, which was a city that Jesus had done miracles in, who's exalted to heaven and brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works, if the miracles Jesus had done in Capernaum had been done in Sodom, Sodom would have remained to this day. Now, Sodom is like 4,000 years back behind us. And we know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. It's in Genesis. And <clears throat> Jesus says, had the mighty miracles been done by Jesus or somebody that were done in Capernaum, that, <clears throat> that they wouldn't have been destroyed. They would have repented. They would have been still you know, viable at the time. Matthew 11:24. But I say to you, it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than you. So people from all ages are going to be together in the second resurrection day or in the judgment day. And Matthew, let's see, Jesus inspired Paul to show the second resurrection to life occurring at the return of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ. Now that's in your Bibles. Dead in Christ. But if people are in heaven, are they dead in heaven? Do we have dead people in heaven? Or, you know, where are these dead in Christ people? They're in the graves, just like Jesus said. Right? The dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. Thus shall we always be with the Lord. So right here we have... <coughs> two of the destinations for people alive today we have those who will be dead in Christ they're alive now but they will be dead in Christ there will be church members who die in the next year it, you know we hate to think about it but it's fact it, it will happen so those dead in Christ who are alive today who die they will wait in the graves and they will rise first then those who are alive and remain how many of you think you're going to be alive and remain until Christ comes? Anybody? Come on, the young people can put their hands up. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody, where you go? Tough it out. Where to go? All right. So, so if you're alive and re and you remain, right, um, then then you're going to watch the dead in Christ rise first, right? And then you're going, oh boy, I hope it's my turn next. I hope it's my turn next, right? No, if you've been faithful, you'll know it's your turn next. And I would expect that God wouldn't leave it. You know, surely it's just going to be a couple of feet, right? 
out, you're standing near a grave and the dust and everything flies off, a little whirlwind there, and, and you know, some bones or whatever God has in mind starts to rise in the air, and you go, hey, I know what that is. That's the dead in Christ rising. Oh, they're up about 10 feet. Oh, I'm starting to lift. Hey, this is great. You know, so that's, that's two of the destinations for people alive today, some of which might die and then be dead in Christ. And, and then rise later. So, um, <clears throat> as I say, humans alive today will end up in one of four possible destinations. Let's, if anybody wrote anything down, let's, let's see what you got. Okay, group one <clears throat> is the dead in Christ. Right? Group two are those who are alive and remain until the coming of Christ. Group three are those who live over into the through the tribulation period and into the majestic earthly kingdom continuing in their human bodies. We don't, we don't talk about that very much. But <coughs> we, when we talk about the kingdom, we talk about friendly snakes, happy day friendly snakes, right? Well, who cares? If there are no humans, it's like, <laughs> what does it mean? You know, so a lot of the kingdom description is about how humans in fleshly bodies will live safely and there'll be no more war and they'll play with uh, lions and snakes and all that good stuff, you know. So, <clears throat> and then we come to group number four. Um, those who will die now, let's see, between now, they're living now, but those who will die between now and the end of the Battle of Armageddon who do not know Christ. And there's lots of them out there right now. Um, <clears throat> and they will be resurrected a thousand years later in the Judgment Day, or the Second Resurrection Day, or see if what you wrote down for a new name is the same as what I, I'm going to offer here. I'm going to offer you <clears throat> Rebirth Day. Because <clears throat> All the billions and billions and billions, and there's a lot of them out there, well, down there in the graves, right? The billions of people are going to have like a rebirth, and they're going to come out of the graves kind of like Adam. And when Adam was created, he was a full-grown male. When Eve was created, she was a full-grown female. And it's like yesterday they weren't here, boom, here they are, fully grown. And so... They go, oh, here I am. Well, in the second resurrection on rebirth day, there will be billions of people going, oh, here I am, right? And <clears throat> no matter what they're thinking, they are coming into the most exciting, fabulous period of time they have ever experienced. And if we, if we point to the word judgment day in the Bible, we, we get this negative connotation. It's like, oh boy, you don't want to be in the judgment day. Oh, it's going to be so terrible. No, it's not going to be terrible. Why, is it, why would judgment day be terrible? Anybody give me an answer to that? <clears throat> why would it be terrible? You've got to think about it a while. Okay. <clears throat> Actually, there's, there's a few people who are going to get beaten with many stripes. That's in the Bible. Then <clears throat> there's a few people who are going to be beaten with a few stripes. But in a sense, all those billions of people get their first 
chance on day one to meet Jesus face to face. Won't that be terrific? Won't that be fa How are you going to feel on your first day meeting Jesus face to face? I was hoping somebody would crack a smile. You're not excited about meeting Jesus face to face? I've learned a lot about him. I've talked to him a lot. You know, I can't wait to see him, <clears throat> you know, with this, my spirit being body so that I don't blow my head apart, right? My spirit being body, seeing his spirit being body, and, and <clears throat> just like somebody I've talked to on the phone for years and haven't seen them, now I'm seeing them face to face. Those people will see Jesus face to face, and it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be like a rebirth. It's going to be a new chance to get it right this time. No matter what happened to them in their lives in the past, here is a time when it's a new day. And God is for us. God is not against us. God wants everyone. In Peter it says, He's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. So He wants every human being possible <coughs> excuse me, to have a fresh start on rebirth day, you can call it Judgment Day, but be careful who you're talking to when you're talking Judgment Day. If you're talking to your neighbor Judgment Day, you are going to get a negative response. I guarantee. Right? Judgment Day? You mean God is going to judge me? It's true. He will. Right? But, but if, you, if you categorize it as you are headed for the most fantastic time in, in your life, you are just going to blow you away. And they go... What are you talking about? Everybody goes to heaven or to hell. We know this for a fact. It's like, no, 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 that's not in the Bible. You're going to go to rebirth day. You are going to come out of the graves, and you are going to, and, and you just might get somebody go, well, how do you know all of this? You're just making this stuff up. And you say, well, I could show it to you in the Bible if you've got time. You know, and some of them just might come back and say, come on, show me where this is. Right? We're going to come to some of those scriptures in a little bit. Revelation 25, he says, the rest of the dead did not live again till the thousand years were finished. Those of us alive today are in the first witness period which ends at the return of Christ. And if you looked at my notes there, my original title was three periods, three witness periods, and then I got talked into doing the happy day thing in bed instead, which is, which is made better. Because <clears throat> you, can, you can preach on Judgment Day, you can preach on the, the second Resurrection Day to where you know, the people listening to you talk, they think it's gloom and doom when it's the opposite. It's rebirth day. It's a new opportunity. It's, in a lot of cases, it's the very first chance that billions of these people have ever had to comprehend the happy gospel story, good news, gospel of the kingdom of God, of what God is trying to achieve and accomplish with human beings. Hebrews 11:39. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Now, if you read these verses slowly, nobody went to heaven. It's like, you know, here's another scripture. Put it, put it in your you know, ammunition thing there to, to help people see. Nobody has gone to heaven. Jesus said it, John 3.13. Paul is saying it through Hebrews here. He's saying, <clears throat> they did not receive the promise, verse 40. God having provi provided something 
better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So where are they? All the Hebrews 11 faith chapter people, where are they? They're in the graves. David, in Acts it says, David is still in the graves. So if Moses and all of these great people, Moses, Abraham, Peter, Paul, Mary, you know, if they're all in the graves, <coughs> they're waiting for us. And we all get the joy of the first resurrection together, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and if you're studying your Bible and you're working your way through the scriptures, you see many, many, many examples of people who were faithful to God and died faithful to God and will be in the kingdom. We know that King David is going to be the king <coughs> over all 12 tribes of Israel. Israel will be the preeminent nation of all planet Earth. So Jesus will be over David, David will be over 12 tribes, the apostles will be over each tribe, and, and it'll be the word of God spreading out and going throughout all the world. So let us, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded, since we've got this fabulous set of witnesses from Genesis to Revelation, terrific set of witnesses, of which Paul himself was a great one, um, and told us a lot about how to live the Christian life. He says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us all the way to the finish line to our last breath. Now, <clears throat> I've got this magnet here and every time I put this magnet near this compass, it distorts the true direction of the compass. So let's think of this magnet as the pulls of the world, the, the temptations of the world, right? <clears throat> it has a pull, a magnetic pull, but let's think of it spiritually as the pulls of the world. Ooh, it's kind of close to me, isn't it? Let's, let's move that out a little bit. But when we go back to our lives and our homes <clears throat> in the next couple of days, we're going to be back in the world. We're going to be back in influences that are going to tempt us to move away from God and away from our first, you know, our, our destination, the one we want more than anything else, the first resurrection. So here he says, since we've got a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every sin that easily traps us and, and let us run our race. And that's what we're looking to once we leave here. After, after today or after tomorrow, there'll be <coughs> none of us here. We'll all be gone. We will have finished both festivals and we will have filled our joy banks and we'll be off and running. So seeing how they lived and overcame should encourage us to do likewise. We should get courage. We should get inspiration from reading their stories. Um, the young children, <clears throat> somebody was talking to a, young, a younger person and they said, my hero in the Bible is, and my best story is David and Goliath. And that's a terrific story because young teenage boy David who knew God very, very well went up against you know, a mighty warrior and was 100% convinced from the minute he laid eyes on him and heard him challenge the Israel, 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 Israeli, it's not easy to say that anymore, is it? The Israeli army, Goliath, I want to say, yeah, he challenged the Israeli army. So he, uh, David just said, God is gonna help me kill Goliath. It's great. So for a young person, that's, that's a good model. Um, <coughs> Let's see. It should encourage us to do likewise and be solid witnesses 
for our own generation, for our own teens, for our own family members, for our own friends, who you don't know could be in the first resurrection based on your witness in the next 12 months. They could even be sitting here in this room based on your witness in the next 12 months. Now, if you take the approach of, <clears throat> you better get in God's church or you're going to judgment day. God is gonna get you, right? <clears throat> And here's a question. How many of you, at some point in your early life, thought God was against people? Anybody? Any? Yeah, okay. Okay, let's, let's do it this way. How many of you think a lot of people out in the world think God is against mankind? Right? <clears throat> now, why is that? Why is that? He, he created the solar system. Isn't that great? And planted Earth with water on it and sunshine and things that grow even if we don't do anything, right? Plants come out of the ground and, and, and so <clears throat> we have a fabulous, and they say, well, let's all, let's all get on a rocket ship and go live on Mars, right? Not me, I'm staying here. You can all go, I'm just gonna stay here where there's water and sunshine and all the good stuff that we need for life and, and enjoying it. So God, the, the true message from God is he has been doing everything in his power to get our cooperation to get us into his family and into his kingdom in the first resurrection. And people have failed to understand his purpose and fail to live according to the divine nature, which you know we call righteousness. It's just doing the right thing. If people are either doing the right thing or they're doing the wrong thing. It's, it gets that simple. When people <coughs> go into a school and start shooting down innocent people, <coughs> all Americans know that's the wrong thing, right? And serving Jesus Christ who wants you to be with him in his kingdom, that's the right thing. And they go, well, I don't want people telling me what to do. Okay, <coughs> ultimately, if you refuse to let God tell you what, how you should live, which just be a good Christian, be a good citizen, help people, love people, that's basically what he's saying. If you continue to take that approach, he has an answer for that. It's the end of the judgment day period. It's the end of the second re resurrection period. We'll see some scriptures in a little bit on that. So seeing how they live should encourage us to be solid witnesses in this first witness period to those around us. In 1 Corinthians 10.6, now these things <coughs> became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after the evil things as they lusted after. See, the, the pulls of the world, I'll get that away from me a little bit there. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the pull of the world. <coughs> no, can't do that. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10.7. And do not become idolaters as some of them. He's, he's talking about the Exodus people. As it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse 8, nor let us commit sexual immorality. We're in a world that is rampant with sexual immorality. They're not telling young people about um, tra sexually transmitted diseases. Do you, you ever hear anything on radio or TV? Almost nothing is told to the young people. It's almost a law. You can't tell young people what might happen to them if they're sexually promiscuous. You know, it's like, no, no, we want to keep that a secret. Oh, great. Then what happens to those people? Um, <clears throat> some of them did, and in one, in, let's say in one day, 23,000 people God killed. Now when God kills somebody, it's just putting them to sleep for a little while and then he's gonna bring them back to life. That's what judgment day, second day, rebirth day. He's gonna bring those people back to life and they're gonna know who they are. And they're gonna go, oh wow, 
Hey, I used to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. Woo, boy, did we finish in a, did we finish on fire? <laughs> or on kind of fire, but that's how we finished. And it's like, is there, is there any fire in the sky? No, no, all that's been taken away. Now we're, gonna, now we're gonna live peaceably and you're gonna learn God's ways and you're gonna love it, it's gonna be terrific. Verse nine, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them who tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Now, why is Paul saying, nor let us, now, he's, he's writing this, or having something to write it for him. He's having this written down for people 2,000 years ago who are in God's New Testament church, New Covenant church. And so he's saying, I, I need to warn you because the pulls of the world, a little bit further away, don't want to be tempted. The pulls of the world, he's saying, don't, you know, don't tempt Christ as some of them were. Now this, this is part of the encouragement, this is part of the example, this is part of the witness of the New Testament writings from Paul, is when we go back to the world, we've been here in a fabulous situation, putting joy into our joy bank, and, and at least a week or two from now, you know, somebody will say tabernacles, and you'll crack a smile and say, boy, it was great, wasn't it? You know, and then six months out, it'll be like somebody says tabernacles, and you go, well, that's not for six months. <laughs> But, but keep the joy in your bank and pull it out and spend a little joy every now and then as you go along. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now all these things happen to them as examples. So now we've got two kinds of examples for us in this first example, witness, period. And that is the bad examples. Look what God did to them. He put them to sleep and he doesn't plan to wake them up until rebirth day, which is a thousand years plus whatever ahead of us. But we're going to be fixing the world so that when they come out of the ground, it's like, wow, I have never seen anything like this before. A lot of those people lived in the desert. A lot of those people, you know, struggled to stay alive. Verse 11, all these things happened as examples, and they were written for our admonition. He's writing to people 2,000 years ago, not fully realizing that what he's writing would then be applicable to people for the next 2,000 years, which brings us up to us today, right? For our admission, <coughs> whom, <laughs> upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Paul, Paul thought he was gonna be alive at the coming of Christ. Oops, no, he didn't get the memo, did he, right? <laughs> In fact, <coughs> when he talked to Jesus, I'm, I'm sure Jesus had a little grin every now and then and said, I've got to keep hidden from Paul that ain't going to be for 2,000 years before I come, because I don't want him <coughs> thinking, you know, all right, I'm writing to you Christians, you're going to have another 2,000 years to tough it out. <laughs> you know, people, people <coughs> want to be like, it's not going to be too far in the future. Now, in our case, it's not going to be too far in the future, unless you're all thinking that ISIS will be eradicated next week. Anybody thinking that? I'm not thinking that, right? Okay, um, say we eradicated ISIS next week. Wouldn't that be great? Woo, yeah. Okay, what about uh, Putin and Russia? You think they're gonna expand more into Europe and everywhere else in the world? Okay, let's eradicate Putin too. Okay, let's go over to Iran. You know, um, do you think they have plans or they just wanna be happy nuclear people? <laughs> I mean, the problems are immense and they keep growing and they keep pressing in on us. And, and we're just sort of backing away from it because of our leader, you know, but <clears throat> I believe things will change. Anyhow, let us not tempt Christ as some of them tempted Christ and were destroyed by serpents. So these things happened as examples and written for our admonition and we need to pay close attention to the early witness period 
but we're still in that first witness period. We, we are now people who read those admonitions and that witness information, and now we're ready to go out and tell other people about it. Paul warns us to beware of this bad behavior against God so we don't repeat it. And, you know, it's, it's like when we go back into the world, it's like some of us are so happy that we've been rejoicing in God's world. It's like there's no way we could turn away from God. But are there pools of the world in your neighborhood? Are there pools of the world where you work? Are there pools of the world for your teenagers on TV? Right? It's like it's maddening how much you know, the pools of the world are like everywhere. You, you can't even drive down the road. You can't go through a checkout stand. You can't turn the TV on for a couple of minutes before the pools of the world are starting to work. So true servants are to see the good examples in Scripture, which is what Bible study is. When I was first in the church, it was do your Bible study, do your Bible study, do your Bible study, and do your prayer, and do your prayer, and do your Bible study. And it was like, is there more to that message? Or like, yeah, because it's going to mold your brain to be more godlike so you can make better decisions in your life so you don't up, end up a heroin addict, you don't end up in prison, you know, <coughs> um, and all that. So true servants are to see the good examples in the scriptures and to live according to those good examples and to become ex good examples for people around them, right? And, and, and again, I go back to this um, rebirth day Right? See, the word birthday is a happy, happy word, right? You say, birthday. Anybody, you know, in worldwide it was a horrible thing, right? Any, any of you remember those messages? Birthdays are bad, right? <laughs> okay. Anyhow, we've, we've come a long way since then, so let's move forward. But when you say birthday to somebody, they're happy to be alive for one more year in most cases. Once they get up, you know, in the high 80s and 90s, maybe they're not so happy. You know, they don't want to do the count. They're just they're happy to be, uh, be alive for another year sort of thing, right? So rebirth day is the most fantastic, um, the most fantastic being on in the universe, Jesus, right? And some of you just thought, no, wait, the Father is more fantastic than the Jesus. But, but it's hard to focus on the Father. You learn about the Father by focusing on Jesus. You learn about Jesus by focusing on some of the examples who worked with Jesus, like Paul and the others, and, and they were human. They walked with, talked with, listened to, got their example from Jesus, and then they lived according to the example they got from Jesus and what he taught. And now we have their example in writing, we have Jesus' example in writing, we have people around us who are examples to us here at the feast. I've seen loads and loads and loads of terrific, godly examples, you know, that encourage me and lift me up and strengthen me. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.7. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia. So, so he's, Paul is saying, you did the right thing. You became examples of the way of life that we've, we've tasted here for seven and a half days, right? In Peter 1, Peter 5, 3, nor as being lords over them, meaning the leadership in the church is not to be lords over people, those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And, and if you're in a church where there's fear, you, check it out. You're probably in the wrong place. You don't need to be where the leader causes you to be in fear. 
Jesus is not trying to cause you to be in fear. He's trying to cause you to enjoy and, and live the wonderful life. Now, how many of you lived this life and thought, boy, I can't wait to get out of here. This is sickening. Anybody? And see hands going up. Oh, there's a hand. Oh, no, it wasn't a hand. Okay, right? So we enjoyed this. And this is just a tiny, tiny microcosm of people like us in the flesh who will start living after the Battle of Armageddon in the thousand years. Only they won't have to go home away from the feast site at the end of eight days. They'll just go on Sabbath after Sabbath after Sabbath living where there is no more war living where there is no more murder, murder, living where nobody goes into a school and says, stand up and tell me whether you're a Christian or not, and shoots them. I mean, how, that's insane, right? And lots of other things are insane, and, and Christ and you as policemen, God's policemen, right? Um, no, <clears throat> or at least teacher. If you don't want to be a policeman, just you'll be a, a teacher with powers. And I had this thought, you know, um, when you get a rebellious human in front of you and you're a spirit being, um, I'd heard earlier that, that one way to get their attention is to give them diarrhea so they sit down. You know, when you're sitting down with diarrhea, you're, you're less likely to be rebellious. So I thought maybe on, on Valley of Dry Bones Day, um, Jesus probably won't let me do this, but it would be fun anyhow, is have a, a whole row of porta potties, you know, <laughs> And, and the first person who's rebellious and comes running over to one of us shiny beings and says, I want to know who's in charge here. I was a good church member. I went to church on Wednesdays and Sundays, and I gave my whole heart, and I was supposed to go to heaven, and here I am down on earth again. What's going on? And say, are you going to listen to me? No, I'm not going to listen to you. I want to see who's in charge. Okay, I'll tell you what. See that porta potty over there? Sit in there for a couple of minutes, like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and when you settle down, come back and see me. And then they get the diarrhea and they run over to the porta potty and you've dealt with that for 20 minutes they come back a little more humbled say okay I'm willing to listen now so so there are things that human that spirit beings can do to people to help calm them down right nowadays they get in a fist fight and they do all kinds of pull guns and road rage and all kinds of crazy stuff you know so after we rise in the air to meet Christ in the clouds we will start being a part of a greater expanded cloud of witnesses in the second great witness period. See, this current witness period we're in is aimed at getting people to understand God's true ways of life and desire to want to live it and desire to want to be with Jesus in eternity and in the kingdom. And you know the parable where it says, um, Let's see, they, some went out and worked in the vineyard for 12 hours, and then late in the day, the vineyard guy said, you, you know, it's one hour to go, go out and work in the vineyard. And the, and the guys who came to get their money, they said, we're gonna get a whole lot more money than the guys who just worked one hour. And Jesus said, I do you no wrong, we had an agreement. And so when the two witnesses preach, they are gonna be boatloads you don't hear too much about this, but there are going to be boatloads of people who want to know if the two witnesses are true according to the book. Now, they'll be on TV. You'll be in your locality with, with neighbors over your fences, and they're going to go, they're preaching Saturday Sabbath. 
you're the only family in this community that's been doing Saturday Sabbath. Can we come over and learn Bible from you? And, and so, you know, it says those who understand and know their God will instruct many before Christ returned. So, so just as in the book of Acts, if you've read through there lately, it starts out with 120 disciples and Jesus dies and then 3,000 people are baptized on the first day of Pentecost and then 5,000 people shortly after that and the church is just expanding exponentially and we go, yes, that was back in Bible times. It's like, well, the Bible says there's, with the two witnesses preaching, it's going to be Bible times again and who are they going to talk to in their, general, in their locality? You know, are, are the two witnesses going to have cell phones that are just ringing all the time? Hello, I'm calling from Australia. Can you give me some more instruction? No, they're going to look to people in their local areas. So First Thessalonians says, uh, <clears throat> we are alive and remain. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds, and thus shall we always be with, with Christ. That's our destiny. That's where we're headed, right? Jesus starts the second great witness period by adding first fruits, kings, and priests, at the beginning of the second great witness period, that's us. That's us. We're kings and priests. Or, you know, and, and what do priests do? Anybody know what priests used to do in the Old Testament? Do what? Louder. Teach. Teach. Right? That's not too hard, is it? Teach. Right? When people ask you questions, you give them good answers out of the Bible. And you show them, look, here, John 3.13, Jesus speaking, no man has ascended into heaven. You know, it's like, well, I read that before. I never saw that. Yeah, because, because everybody's been telling you the pulls of the world and the system says you do go to heaven when you die. Now, if we were having a popularity contest, how many of you would, if Jesus showed up suddenly, came through the door and said, I've changed my mind, you can go to heaven when you die, how many would you vote for that? I would. I'd vote for that. Only trouble is, he isn't coming through the door, he's already told us how it works, and he's told us nobody went to heaven. So, so if you oppose people, if you just get right up in their face and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, everything you've ever learned about Jesus, you're wrong. Oh, you're going to have flocks of people come with you next Sabbath, aren't you? Right? But if you say, rebirth day is coming, you are going to be so excited because you're going to meet Jesus. And most, do you think most people think that they're going to meet Jesus? Okay, certainly not. Okay, let's, let's put the two billion Jesus worshipping people over here for a minute and then put all the non-Jesus people over here. All the non-Jesus people, do they think they're going to see Jesus face to face? Put your hand up if you think they think that. Do they think they're going to see Satan the devil face to face? They do, don't they? Because that's the story that's been spread around the world instead of the true gospel. And we can be part of that, witnesses of first fruits, kings and priests in the new world, but we can be doing it now. Because if we're doing it now, it'll just be an expansion of what we're, we're doing now when we get into the new world. Right? He already told us what we've been doing. Revelation 1.6 has made us kings and priests to his God and Father and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 5.10 and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth with people reigning over people. One scripture says 
you know, people, some people are going to have 10 cities to, to take care of. Well, people make cities. It's not just buildings. It's people. And, and so, you know, you get up in the morning, you have your spiritual cup of coffee, you zip over to your first city, and you go, okay, what kind of problems we got here today? Um, oh, this woman says this baby is mine and it's actually my baby. Oh, I, I know what the answer is. Guy with the sword, cut the baby in half and wash the faces on the ladies. And the true mother goes, no, don't kill the baby. Let the other woman have the baby. Okay, then it's your baby. Go away, other woman. See, wisdom of Solomon, right? And then, then you zip over to your next, church, uh, your next city. And you're busy zipping from church, place to place to place and you're helping people in your 10 cities or your five cities or whatever you get, right, to understand how to use scripture, how to use godly living in a practical way. We had a whole bunch of terrific questions come in from the, the youth, the young people, of how do you help your friend not go in a bad direction that's going to cause them harm? Is, that's a good question, isn't it? Does that apply to any of us? You know, that applies to all of us. How do we help our neighbors and friends not go in a wrong direction? You know, because if, if we say, oh, it's going to be so exciting. You know, we've just come back from the Feast of Tabernacles, which is going to be the first thing Jesus does once he gets back to planet Earth and he gets, gets rid of the rebellious people, the Battle of Armageddon. You could say the Battle of Armageddon, you know, and people suddenly listen. They go, whoo, oh, he just said something important. She said something important, right? Okay, and, and you go, yeah, I've, I've got a bunch of scriptures on that battle. If you want to know, I can show you where they are. Right? And then once peace breaks out on planet Earth, there's going to be Feast of Tabernacles. People come together and they see Jesus face to face because he'll be the preacher. We won't need crazy Australians up here doing weird things. He'll, Jesus will be the teacher. It'll be like the President of the United States comes out once a year and he gives the State of the Nation address. This will be like Jesus comes out and he gives the State of the World address once a year or for the eight days of the Feast of Tabernacles. And he says, all right, uh, it's really a mess over here and we've got a desert out there in the Sahara and we're, we're going to have that changed and we're going to make the desert blossom like a rose and we'll need some of you people to help do that, right? And over here we've got all these bones from the Battle of Armageddon. We've got bones all over the place. We've got dead bodies. We've got to go out and clean up the dead bodies for seven months and, and we've got all these things we need to do and then be sure and send emissaries and ambassadors back for the Feast of Tabernacles again next year, and I'll tell you what we're going to do in the next 999 years. And when we get to the, the thousandth year, right, of peace and prosperity, it sounds like Donald Trump, doesn't it? Anyhow, when we, when we get to the last year of the thousand years, the world will be beyond anything I can describe. There'll be no pollution. There'll be no diesel fumes in the air. There'll be nobody with cancer. There'll be, there'll be no shootings in schools. There'll, be, there'll just be a magnificent example, a physical example. You might not even have to say anything to people. You just resurrect them out of the grave and you say, look at that city, and their jaw drop. And they go, ah, oh, do people live there? Oh yeah, they've been living there for a thousand years. Wow, that's my, that's my interpretation. If God kept people alive, you know, for a thousand years up to Methuselah being nine, 969 years, right? That was the original design. And God said, oh, these humans are tough to work with. We gotta narrow this down a little here. And so 
you know, and what, in, in the 50s or so, the average lifespan was like 37 or something? Anybody? Something like that. Anyhow, and now we keep people alive much, much longer, you know, with IVs and heart monitors and all sorts of good stuff. But, you know, life is great. We want to hang on to it as long as we can. So we're going to have this example of the thousand-year period of which we will be the witnesses of we lived in the flesh, we overcome, overcame the pulls of the world, we were faithful to Christ and to death, we were given spirit being bodies. Now, I just had this thought, maybe, maybe we'll have our old bodies in the closet. Maybe, right? And, and when some upstart human comes up and says, yeah, it's easy for you, you're a spirit being, you can fly at the speed of sound, you can fly through the universe, it's easy for you. Say, well, it wasn't all that way. Come into my little museum. Here, let me show you my old body. You know, oh, you looked like that. <laughs> you had aches and pains. You had trouble getting out of bed in the morning or out of the bathtub. Then now you're a super, you're, you're a streamlined rocket ship kind of body. Wow, how did that happen? I was faithful to Jesus and his teachings, and you can be too. I did it. You can do it. You see that on the TV all the time. They say, if I've lost 50 pounds, you can do it easily, right? And, and it's like, yeah, I like that. I like that. I want that. So we'll be able to show people that we were flesh until the second witness period, and now we are examples both in the spiritual teaching, kings and priests, but we're also examples of the fact that we lived it. We lived it, and we suffered through it, and we overcame it, and we can commiserate with them that it's not easy. It's not easy, unless you've had coffee first thing in the morning. Sorry, I'm a coffee drinker. All right, um, <clears throat> we new members of God's family will be examples to those who live over into the new kingdom. Now, who are those people? Right? If the kingdom comes in five years, will there be any fleshly human beings living through the tribulation period and being physically alive that you know? Right? Now, certainly I would hope that, that you know, young family members, grandchildren, uncles and aunts, brothers and sisters, you know, who are alive today, they would make terrific people because they've already seen our example in the flesh. And if they're alive over there and you go, hey, I'm so glad you made it through the tribulation, it's going to be super, it's going to be fantastic. And they say, look at the world's in a wreckage. Yes, but we've got a thousand years to rebuild the earth with God's help and, and planning and organizing and it'll be just, it's going to get better every year. Every year you'll come up at the Feast of Tabernacles and he'll say, well, we've made a lot of progress this year, but we've got a lot to do, right? And, and we're just going to increase the beauty of humanity and the beauty of the way people live and the beauty of, you know, God likes lots of people. I have, I struggle with this. I, you know, I get claustrophobia and, and I don't, you know, if he said, here's a hundred people you must love like your children. Oh, I would have a struggle with that, right? But, but he wants billions and billions and billions and billions of children, which all that does to me is that says, God is way bigger than I can even comprehend. 
Now I've met some people who've had 13 children and it's like, oh, and you're still alive. How did you do that? You know, and, and they're happy. They're happy because they're having more and more children. That's great. Okay, so the glorious, majestic heaven on earth paradise will be ready to be an example to the billions who resurrected on rebirth day. So we're in the first witness period. God willing, we'll be spirit beings. After the tribulation, we'll be priests. We'll not only say, let me tell you what it was like growing up in Australia, right? We'll be able to tell them the fleshly example. We'll be able to tell them the fruits of our enduring in Christ's way of life and following the examples of the first witness period. We'll then be living, I was going to say living, breathing, but that doesn't help when you're a spirit being, does it? What, I, I, shining, there. Living, shining beings. We'll be living, shining beings as examples in the second witness period, helping those fleshly people become witnesses themselves and the buildings and the construction of a glorious, gorgeous planet for a thousand years, and they'll all be, they'll be a fabulous example and witness of God's way of living, right? And then comes the third witness period, the second resurrection, the rebirth day, when billions upon billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of people come back to life. How many porta potties would we need? <laughs> We've got to have another solution to that problem. Anyhow, so, but, but those people need an example, right? And a lot of them died with a sword in their hand, stabbing people to death. They were, you know, people have had battles and fought hand-to-hand -hand combat, and they're killing the guy, and somebody sneaks up behind them and kills them and lights out. And they come back in the next moment of consciousness, they're, they're doing this. Where's my sword? like, hey, hey, just be calm, relax. You don't need a sword here. We, we don't do the sword thing anymore. We live at peace here. You know, do I need to give you a tranquilizer? <laughs> you know, but these people are going to be startled back to rebirth, a new way of life, and they need a fabulous witness of a whole different way of life. So judgment day or rebirth day begins the third great witness period. Jesus uses Ezekiel 37, fabulous you know, to wade through the whole chapter, we'll just hit a few highlights. Ezekiel 37, verse 4, he says, um, <clears throat> Prophesy to these bones, verse 5, Surely I'll cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will, 6, I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin. All of these things we have, and we're all very pleased to have these. Right? We do not want to lose any of these, because they make life much better. Right? And he's going to put these back on these Valley of Dry Bones people. And you shall live. Then it says, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And that's the first time in this little section where it's announced that this is Jesus speaking. And these people who come back to life, they will know that Jesus is Lord surely they're going to see the face of Jesus. Right? Okay, we go on down a few more verses. Um, he's the one calling them out of the grave on day one, so it's, it's highly likely that they will see his face, because then how are you going to know it's the Lord if he's hiding somewhere? You know, if you just pop up out of the ground and shake off the dirt and the dust, and there you are standing there, 
and it's like there's billions of people all around or whatever how that works and it's like you don't see Jesus how are you going to know I am the one who brought you out of the grave right remember there's a verse somewhere in the Bible that says you won't have to say know the Lord because everybody will know the Lord and it's one more example to me that people will will see Jesus as they come out of the graves and they will they will go wow that bright shining being that's Jesus we're going to see him at the Feast of Tabernacles for a thousand years you know he won't be hidden from us and and fleshly people will see him in his bright shining the three pre-apostles went up the mountain of Mount Transfiguration and they saw Jesus in his kingdom bright and shiny well billions of people are going to see that throughout history so then verse 10 says an exceeding great army billions and billions of people verse 12 uh, I will open your graves, I will cause you up to come out of your graves. Verse 13, then, once you've come out of your graves, you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. So there's another reference, and, and if you work through the notes there, actually that says second, yeah, second of three, and then verse 14, I will put my spirit on you and you'll live in the place in your own land, and then you shall know, third time, that I am the Lord that has spoken it and performed it. So people are going to know Jesus, so it's okay for you to say, you know, I can't wait for you to see Jesus. And for a lot of people who don't think they're going to see Jesus, it's like, oh, well, that's kind of positive. You, you righteous Sabbath-keeping person, you think I'm going to see Jesus? Oh, yeah, it's in the Bible. Really? Where? Show me. Right? We, we have to present this in a positive light. Um, and, and if we if we if we take the judgment day way, you are, God is going to judge you. You're going to fall into condemnation, <laughs> right? You're not helping people get a taste for this joy, right? We we've all come here and we've experienced the joy of the Lord. We've heard and we've sung and we've appreciated His words coming to us through the messages, um, and and we grew into it being very positive and very full of joy, and then. Then he commanded us, get up there and have seven and a half days of rejoicing. And we said, okay, I think I can do that. And we've done that. And that's been terrific. So how many here um, <clears throat> in your heart think God is an extremely positive person? Anybody? Okay, most of you think that. Okay, so if you're God's witness, then... How many of you should be extremely positive people helping people see God's way? Right? It's not easy to be positive in an extremely negative world. Oh. Pulls of the flesh. They're just, they're just always radiating out to us. Everywhere we look, everywhere we go, even in sometimes in our head. Before we've had coffee, we sometimes think ugly thoughts. You know, um, at least I do. Especially when I kick my toe on the way to the coffee pot. Or when I drop the flask when I'm making the coffee. I am not, I'm not suitable to make coffee before I've had coffee, which is a real problem. Right? Thank God for those machines where you turn them on the night before. Okay, so God is an extremely positive person. We worship an extremely positive being. So how should we contact our friends and neighbors in a positive way or a negative way? And, and so... We, we need to couch what we're going to say. We need to find nuggets that we believe and we've seen scripture in Scripture for ourselves, right? And, and I don't know whether I've convinced you or not, but on first day of first resurrection, on, re, on second resurrection, rebirth day, all those people are going to see the face of Jesus. And it's going to be fabulous because Jesus is a fabulous being, right? And they think, 
oh, when I, when I, after I die, the first face I'm going to see is Satan the devil. No, no, no. No, that doesn't, that's not what the Bible teaches. Help, help them understand how positive the whole program is. The good news, the gospel. Try not to use the word gospel, <laughs> especially in Branson. Right? Oh, you're going to hear some gospel singers, you know. No, um, use positive language. So um, <clears throat> we need to give a positive witness to people. Um, and, that's, and that's why I'm suggesting to you, you can call it any day you want, but if you go around telling people about judgment day, don't expect a lot of good results. You know, if you start telling, oh, well, you come up in the second resurrection, it's like, wonder what that's like. You know, we have to couch things in positive terms. So what happens to people when, when this rebirth day comes and they arrive back in their land? And we see that in, uh, we see that in Isaiah 50, uh, 65, 18. <clears throat> okay, this is the extremely positive, fabulous being we call Jesus and the Father. This is their thinking. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. What we've seen reflected in people's faces here for seven and a half days. Verse 19, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. God loves his people. He wants to rejoice in them. He wants them to live so they're not shooting people because they say they're Christian. He wants them to live a totally different way of life. I will rejoice in my people. And the voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in or nor crying. No more, verse 20, so he's introduced, I'm going to make it very joyful on planet Earth. No more shall there be an infant from there that lives just a few days. How many billions of infants have only lived a few days and dies? Right? Billions of them. Right? That's not going to happen. He's going to stop that from happening. Right? Nor an old man who hasn't fulfilled a full, mature, gained a lot of wisdom life. And a lot of old people died without having gained that. Right? <coughs> For... For the resurrected child, I put the re word resurrected in there, because, because they come out of the grave as a child, but they're going to die 100 years old. They get 100 years worth of new extra living, no matter how old they were when they were in the grave. And the sinner being 100 years old, once the 100 year period comes to an end, if you're still a sinner, they will be accursed. Later we see in Revelation, they come up against the camp of the saints, fire comes down from heaven, destroys them all, no more fleshly human beings, second death, lake of fire, and then we're into a totally different period, which I can't tell you anything about, right? But, but we've got plenty to work with. Jesus pictured their final end, Matthew 25, 41, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In Revelation 21, verse 8, it says, the cowardly and the unbelieving, the abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, end of flesh. But, but he wants no one to perish. He wants everybody to come to repentance. And, and you say repentance to people, and they go, oh, that's that mean God trying to get me again. No, repentance is the doorway to a fabulous way of life, which we have seen here for seven and a half days. Right? It's, it's because we've come through repentance and we've learned God's ways and we love God's ways and we live God's ways and now we've got to go out and tell people about God's ways. Isaiah 65, 21, they'll build houses and inhabit them and they shall plant vineyards and they'll eat the fruit. You know, the judgment day in a lot of people's mind is, is you're all guilty. Uh-oh. I just bought the farm. I'm done. No. It's a hundred year period where people come up and have a totally new clean slate. They get straightened out and they have opportunity to live and learn God's ways for a hundred years. 
if they don't get the picture at the end of the hundred years, it doesn't go on and on and on and on. It comes to an end. Verse 22, they shall build and another, and, and another, not another, inhabit, which lots of people have built buildings, and then a warring tribe would come over and kill all those people and live in their building, right? And they shall not plant and somebody else eat what they planted. And the days of my, as the days of the tree, so shall the days of my people be. Notice this, and, the, and my elect. Who, who are my elect? Who's that referring to? Saints, kings and priests. My elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Yes, like a thousand years plus another hundred years after that. We're going to long enjoy the work of our hands. Verse 25, the wolf, the lamb, will feed together, the lion eats straw like an ox. It's going to be a fabulous world, unbelievable and, and just thrilling. And, and we need to express that to people, not with judgmental words, not with harsh punishing words. Right? Now, if they ask, you know, will I be punished? Biblically, the answer is yes. Don't lie to them. But, but when you paint the picture, code it with the truth and the joy and the thrill and the fun that God has been giving us here in the last seven days. So Jesus and the Father are providing a growing cloud of witnesses to help as many people as possible avoid the second death. We are part of that cloud of witnesses. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack and he, and he doesn't want any to perish but all to come to repentance. Now, they want people to judge themselves worthy of everlasting life. If you, in Corinthians it says, if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. Do we tell people that? Do we, do we say, oh, if you're judging yourself according to the scriptures, you won't need to be in judgment day. You don't have to be judged by God. We haven't de developed that as a theme of talking to people, but it's in Scripture. Acts 13, 46. Paul and Barnabas grew bold, and since they, re they said to these people, since you reject it and judge yourselves we're unworthy of everlasting life, we're going to turn to the Gentiles, because they'll listen to us. So Satan is loose for a thousand years. That's true. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 7. Um, <clears throat> and he's released from his prison. So now we have the pulls of Satan who has to start from scratch. That's good, isn't it? Isn't that good news? See, he's been working at this for 2,000 years, and he's won a lot of battles. And that's what we're looking at, the pools of the world when we go back home. We're looking at his successes for the last 2,000 years. Then God locks him up for 1,000 years, right? And the only two true teaching of God's true word is from God's Bible and Jesus and, uh, and his witnesses. And so we have a magnificent world full of people living happily, no war, no, no sadness, no, tri no trials that are like the ones we have. <coughs> and then these people come back to life and Satan has to start from scratch. It's like, well, I quick, I've got to put together the Baptist church and the Catholic church and all these other churches. And so, <coughs> you know, the super rebellious people will want to go where Satan is going. And the people who go, this is fabulous. I want to live like you people live. They're going to go God's way. And so, you know, we will have saved as many people as possible before the lake of fire. Um, so <clears throat> from Genesis till now, God has been adding witnesses to the huge clouds of witnesses. And he's added us. And we've got a year out ahead of us. He's still looking for more witnesses. In Luke 10, 2 and 3, he says, harvest is plenteous. And then he says, pray that the Lord will send more people into the harvest, which is curious. Because you could, you could read this and go, hey, Jesus, why don't you skip these verses? 
since you know the need, why don't you just, don't wait for us to pray, just send laborers. Because he wants us in the system. He wants us in the loop. He wants us going, oh, here comes a laborer. And be excited when a laborer shows up. All too often, when a new person has showed up in church, people haven't been very excited about it. And they don't try to include them in the family. They sort of, you sit over there, you know. <clears throat> so then in verse 3, Jesus says, <clears throat> go your way, after saying pray for laborers, go your way, behold, I send you out into the world as lambs amongst wolves. How many of you are going to feel like that next couple of weeks? How many of you are going to feel like you're a lamb out in wolf land? Now, my suggestion is to you, don't feed the wolves. Right? Teach them. Yeah, but don't feed them. Okay, so <clears throat> where are we going? Well, we think we're going to our house. And God willing, we'll all get there. And we think we're going on with our profession, our job, our retirement plan, whatever it is. You know, and if the Lord wills, that, that will work and we'll come back again in another year. But we never can be totally sure of where we're going. But we need to be knowing what it is we're going to be doing while we're going. Are we going to be God's witnesses? Are we going to be laborers for God's purpose? God has been helping us fill our joy banks full of joy. Anybody here got a full joy bank? Anybody? No? All right. I have. I'll put my hand up twice. Okay. I saw a couple of hands there. That's good. Okay. So <laughs> take your joy bank. Get more joy out of the Bible every day in your Bible study. Pull that joy out and use it on people. Use it on yourself when you're discouraged. Use it on other people. Are we ready to do Luke 10.3? Where Jesus says, go your way. I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. If we do this, God will bless where we're going. 